I know, I don't want to disappoint you, but I'm not my husband. I am Pastor Amanda. We co-pastor together here at this great church. Look around. Look at you. You guys look amazing. So I get to try to transfer anointings from singing to preaching and let my voice adjust just a little bit too. I know that God has a word, and I know he's going to do something because usually when the Lord gives me something to give someone's life's going to be touched and transformed this morning and and I just want to let God be obedient today can we can we do that can we let the Lord minister and move my husband is preaching a revival this week until Thursday down in Madison for some of our good friends the fries and so he's going to be doing that so he covered your prayers he's he's preaching there this morning and then through Thursday night he'll be ministering the word, and as, of course, you know, he said he's nervous, and in his nervousness, he's like, I'm nervous, and I said, you've been doing this since you were 12, not just joking, like, how can you be nervous? I said, I've only been doing this a few years, I'm nervous, Um, but God has been so good to us, and he's allowing him to, you know, travel outside the church and to minister to other churches, and I'm thankful for that. But the title of my message this morning is, Get a Grip in the Middle. You know, we say that phrase to uh, each other sometimes. You know, we'll be going through something, and what do we look at at our friends or our family and say? Would you just get a grip? Get a grip, right? That's what we tell them. Um, And sometimes that's easier than other times. You know, getting a grip isn't always easy. It's hard. But I'm going to teach you something this morning, slash preach. Whatever the Holy Ghost wants to do is what God's going to do up here this morning. And I just, I just want him to have his way. But isn't it easy for us to have faith in the beginning of something? In the very beginning. Like when a baby is born, look at this cute little baby over here. You just want to squish him and pinch him gently, you know, and just smile at him and all this stuff. But when that baby is born, it's so cute. Or how about this, when you get a new business or you quit the job that you hate, the, the, a job that you get to get out of, you, it's exciting, right? And God's going to, you, you get to start something new. It's easy to have faith at the end of something when the finish line's in sight, right? When you've been going through something, you can see the end and you have faith because, you know, God's already showed you the end. You know what it's going to look like. You're able to see the victory is right there. The place where we get trapped, many of us, is the middle. When it takes longer than you thought that it would get to where you're going. How about this? When you've run out of money, when the doctor gives you news that you didn't want. You ain't got time for that, right? The doctor gives you some bad news sometimes. You don't have time for that. I don't have time to be going through this. When the baby, who's so cute, and don't do anything wrong but cry and make you sleepy, makes you cry, they cries and, and, you, and you have to get up and change that baby and you do all the things and you're sleepy, suddenly becomes a teenager or suddenly becomes a young adult that you get really worried because they're doing things and they act just like you did. <laughs> so you're yelling and fussing at them for things that you used to do. Come on, anybody have a witness on that? I know that 
I'm not the only one that's been convinced sometimes that there was a mix-up at the hospital. I'm like, can we do some kind of test to make sure that kid's mine? And then with some of my kids, I watch their, their behaviors, and I'm like, that one acts just like you. <laughs> exactly like you. So, you know, the middle is, is a trap that we're all going to face, and it's the most dangerous one. Starting strong and full of faith does not do you much good without being determined to make it in the middle. We can start strong and we can see the finish line, but here, right in the middle, is where the trap is, and we have to stay determined to make it through. You know, the Bible tells us don't think it's strange when you face fiery trials. I have a, li- I have a little bit of problem with that. Don't think it's strange, because when I am in the middle of a trial, I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm just going to tell you this morning, I want it to be over. When I was young, I was so impatient. My dad would tell, I couldn't even get out ice cream out of the container to put it in the bowl fast enough to eat it. And I remember getting fussed at all the time by my dad when I was growing up. You need patience. You need patience. You need patience. But it's something that we don't like. We don't like going through hard times. But it also means he's telling us we're not supposed to be stuck in the middle of our journey and get stuck there because it's all of a sudden tough. Somebody did us wrong, so we get trapped by anger and resentment. Am I not telling you the truth this morning? Our business goes down and we get trapped by fear and worry. Why? How are we going to provide for our family? We all do it, and it doesn't matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, you're going to do it. But the same God, say same God, who set the plan in motion, okay? God started the plan. He's, he's the God that started all of this in motion. So he is still on the throne when things are bad. Amen? He is still on the throne when things are at, at its very possible worst. And the God that began a plan for you this morning, there is nothing, say nothing, that has happened in the last 12 months or the past 12 minutes that has ever changed his mind about you. Nothing. You cannot mess up enough for God to change his plans in your life. Believing God in the very middle is so crucial because if you get trapped there, you won't ever see the end result. Tell somebody, I need to get a grip. I need to get a grip. Let me help you see why the middle is so tough this morning. When God births something in your heart, Okay, when you start out in the beginning, when God puts something in your heart, he shows you a vision of doing something great. You see it. You're on fire. God, I see see this, what you've given me. He gets you excited about doing it, about walking in the promise, holding all of those blessings. But what God does not show you is the middle. He doesn't show you what it's going to take to get you there how much you're going to struggle in your middle, how many fights that you're going to face. And he knows that if he showed us everything it was going to take to get us to the finish line, what would we do? We'd walk away. We would talk ourselves right out of it because none of us like the hard parts. We don't want it. God shows us the beginning and he'll show us the end, but he does not show us the middle because we would run. Everyone in this room would run. God gave Joseph a dream, very familiar story, and he showed him the end. What he did not show him was the middle. 
Did the dream come to pass? Absolutely. Did Joseph fulfill his destiny? Absolutely. But between there and here and here and there is the middle. And there were a lot of traps that Joseph had to escape this morning. There were a lot of traps. His brothers sold him into slavery, told their father that he was dead. That was the middle. He was falsely accused and put into prison, the middle. While he was in prison, two different people who were supposed to help him lied to him and left him there in the middle. You know as well as I'm standing here speaking to you this morning that you have been in the middle of situations in your life and you have said, God, I don't like this. I don't like being stuck here in the middle. Why, Lord, if you showed me this great thing, why am I having to go through what I'm going through right now? Genesis 39 and 1 says, When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph. Who was with Joseph? The Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. So the Lord was with Joseph, and he did what? He succeeded in everything he did. But then comes the middle. He ended up in prison. How can such bad stuff be happening to me if God is with me? I know I'm not the only one standing on this stage feeling like you have been doing everything that the Lord has told you to do, but yet all of this crazy stuff keeps happening to me. Come on, am I the only one standing on this stage this morning? Hallelujah. There has been times in my life where I have said, Lord, I am doing what you're telling me to do, and you're not helping me. I feel like I'm doing this all by myself. Am I, am I the only one that's felt like that? This is when life does not make sense to us. The trap is going to be set in the middle, okay? The enemy does not want you to pursue your purpose, he does not want you to do what God has set you out to do. You know, diets in the beginning are so easy, right? They are. We go buy all the food. We go sign up for Cindy's classes, and we, we do all the stuff. And we're so excited about it. Because Why do we get excited about a diet in the beginning? Because we can see what we look like in the end, right? I, you can see that, that awesome figure and wearing that bikini in the summertime and, you know, doing all the things. It's really easy in the beginning. But what, what happens after three weeks of eating lettuce and, uh, yeah, grilled chicken with low-fat dressing? I don't care how many diets I do. I don't do low-fat dressing. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. If I'm going to eat dressing, it's going to be fully loaded ranch. That's what it's going to be. That's the good stuff. But I'm telling you, it, it, we all do it. We start out so excited about it, and you'll tell your friends, I'm going to lose 50 pounds, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. But then the middle comes. And somebody comes to your house after three or four weeks of dieting and fasting, and they bring this awesome cake. And you just say, and it might not even be your favorite cake, but you just drool, like just runs out the side of your mouth because you want to eat it so bad. Because we crave, we want things that we're not supposed to have. That's another sermon for another time. <clears throat> but the middle is so hard. That's where we want to quit. <clears throat> Excuse me. In verse 19, it says, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story. 
about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. Joseph was put somewhere. He didn't deserve to be, and God was with him and still showed him love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite, showed him favor with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that had happened in that prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Again, the Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. So why do you think it is when we get in the middle, we trust God in the beginning, we trust him in the end, but when we're in the middle of something, we forget that God is still God. We forget that he is who he says he is. If God shows us something in the beginning, in the middle of the thing, he's still God, right? The same God that gave Joseph the dream is the same God who shows up when it's tough in the middle. The God of the palace is also a God of the pit, and he's also a God of your prison this morning. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I am the only one in this room. But lately I feel often like I'm running empty emotionally, mentally, spiritually. This has been a very tough season for our family. Very tough season. It's been one of the toughest that I've ever been through, and, and, I, lost, and I lost my mother 12 years ago. My mother, my mother was 52 years old, and what I've been going through with my own child has literally been worse than losing my parents. It's hard. It's very difficult. But most of us, I think, are exhausted one way or another, not from physical activity, but from trying to carry stress of everything going on in your life, and constantly living in the middle of chaos. Anybody knows what it feels like to be doing pretty good? You, you got like a little spell of feeling like you can breathe, and then all of a sudden the chaos starts hitting you again. And then all of a sudden you're, you're going good again. You're, you're eating pretty good. Like, I'm just using myself as an example. I'm able to actually eat a cheeseburger without getting sick, or I'm actually able to do something without getting sick. And then all of a sudden, the chaos hits again, another cycle. Tell your, tell your neighbor, I need to get a grip. Have you ever woke up and noticed that your phone that you put on charger was not charged? That irritates me. I don't know why it irritates me so much. Probably because I get on my phone as soon as I wake up. Does anybody else do that? And you notice that your phone wasn't connected properly. And that's why it didn't have charge. I feel like life kind of feels like that for a lot of people right now. And I think that's why the middle is such an easy trap to get caught in. You start out with a burst of energy. And the further you go, the more exhausted that you get. You're too far to turn around and go back, but not far enough to see the end. So you're literally here just stuck, hanging out in limbo. I started out strong. I can see the finish line. But God, what is this? I don't like this. In Matthew 11 and 28, he says, Then Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. Who's going to give you rest this morning? He is. And weary isn't just tired, okay? Weary is when your soul is exhausted. 
It's when your soul's exhausted. But the good news this morning is Jesus says, if you are weary this morning, you can come to me. You can come to me with your weariness. But what does that look like? When we look at the scriptures, we see that Jesus, he actually got weary too. So if Jesus got weary, we're going to get weary. And that might be a shock to some people, but when Jesus knew that he was about to be crucified, he knew what he was about to face, he became weary. And what did Jesus do when he became weary? He took the disciples to the garden to pray. That's how he prepared for the end. He prayed. He didn't take them to Cabela's and buy them a bunch of ammo. He didn't take them on a fishing trip. He didn't take them to karate class. He took them to pray. When the end was near, he took them to pray. Matthew 26, 31 through 55, it says things like this. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night, before the rooster crows, you are going to deny me three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, verse 39, praying, Father, if this is possible, let this cup of suffering pass from me. Let it be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Verse 40, then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep, watch, and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. (laughs) For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Keep, watch, and pray. Hallelujah. Keep, watch, and pray that you may not give in to temptation. Keep, watch, and pray because our body is weak. Matthew 26, 69 through 75. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, You were one of those with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it. This time was an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore, A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind before the rooster crows, You will deny me three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. Man, what a night. That had to be the worst night of Peter's life. They went, he went from just having a private dinner with Jesus on Passover. They're Jewish, so that was a very big deal. And the night ended with Jesus being arrested and, fe- and Peter failing him miserably. To think that you could have just been eating with the Lord and denying that you even knew him and getting him arrested Because you said you didn't know him. And here's what I come to tell you today. These are the days that we will learn the very most about ourselves. As much as we love the times of worship 
And I do. I love worshiping the Lord. I can put on worship music for hours. I listen to it while I'm cleaning. You can ask Hannah. She's in here this morning. I, I will put worship music on over television, and I will sing, and I will worship the Lord. Getting in, our, getting in the altar, dancing and praising, we do all of those things here. But these are the times that we really learn what we have inside of us. Like this, in times of stress and weariness, how I react is much more honest than how I act. My default reaction is more honest than my planned response. You cannot change the things that have happened to you. I'll say it again. You cannot change or control the things that have happened to you, but you can absolutely change how it will affect your life. I'm going to let that sink in a minute. You cannot change what has happened to you, but you can change how you're going to let it affect you. What traps me in the middle, Pastor Amanda? I overestimate my devotion. We boast about how we'll never turn our backs on God. We, and we can be in this very room right now and be full of energy and wanting to serve the Lord with our whole heart. And then leave here this evening or in the morning and something bad happened to you and you want to act like you never known him. It's the truth. And you know I'm preaching the truth this morning. I underestimate how weary I am. We keep walking along as if nothing is wrong with us. But clearly it is. I overestimate my strength. It says that he cuts an ear off like he was going to defeat an entire army. We overestimate how much we can carry. We think that we're strong. We think that we can carry a whole lot. But we overestimate our strength. And I underestimate the power of prayer. Jesus knew what was about to happen. He tried to teach the disciples that night. The way that you prepare for the worst night of your life, listen to me this morning, the way that you prepare for the worst night of your life is prayer. Some of you in this room have had the worst night of your life. And if you haven't, you will have one. And without God, listen to me this morning. Without God, I would not have known what to do in this past season in my life. I am going to tell you standing right here this morning as a pastor and worship leader holding this microphone that if it was not for God in my life, I don't know that I might not try to end in mine. I am telling you the truth. He tried to prepare them. He said, keep watch and pray so you don't give in to temptation. Give in to temptation of what? To whatever your temptation is. Your spirit is always going to be willing, and your flesh is always going to be weak. Say, I need to get a grip in the middle. Come on, say that like you mean it. I need to get a grip in the middle. Your spirit is on board, and your intentions are incredible. You want to do the right things, and you want to be the prayer warrior, faith-filled, demon-chasing child of God who shows kindness and love to everyone and please God. The way that you want to lose weight and save money. You're willing. You're filled with good intentions. But your flesh is weak. And Jesus is trying to show them that the thing that fills in the gap 
between where you want to be and the weakness of the flesh is prayer. Friends, the power of prayer can make every devil flee in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The sick can be made well in Jesus' name. And broken hearts can absolutely be mended in Jesus' name because prayer changes your life. Hallelujah. Are we taking the time to ask God for help? Are you asking God what he wants? Are you asking God what he wants or are you just doing what you want? Listen, I have been in a very ugly middle, okay? God directly told me, not one time, not two times, more than three times, to take my hands, mine, off of a situation. And because I did not want to, I'm going to say it again, I did not want to, it got messier, okay? It got messier. And I believe that this situation lasted a lot longer than it should have because I didn't ask God for help, nor did I listen to his instructions for my life. I tried doing it on my own, and it does not work. You can try to do things on your own in here this morning, and it will not work. So when the soldiers showed up, they handled it the wrong way. Because that's what happens when we don't pray. When we don't ask God. The flesh causes us to handle things the wrong way. Come on, guys. You get accused of something that you didn't do. You don't pray about that. Do you? If you get accused of something that you didn't do, do you go immediately and pray about it? If you're being honest. We don't. Listen, I just got angry at my neighbor just Thursday, knowing that I'm coming to preach this to you today, because she's yelling over my fence at my dog, telling my dog to shut up. (laughs) In my yard. And it's not even my dog. It's my son's dog that I'm watching, but he's the sweetest thing. Like, he wouldn't hurt a flea. And and he has this, boo, that's the way he barks. And it's it's cute, but he's... My dog in my yard, my fence. And I'm sitting right here and the fence is here and I hear her, oh, shut up. And in my, I'm like, oh, God. I'm like, Lord, please help me because I'm about to lose it. And I, about 20 seconds later, I hear it again. I said to shut up and I, I stood up and walked over to the fence as if I was going to because you can see through them little privacy fences, you know. And I was going to put my face through that privacy fence and tell her a thing or two about herself. And I heard the Lord tell me, you're preaching Sunday. I don't need to be getting arrested. It doesn't mean I don't want to. And because of that, I underestimate how much God loves me. That even in my ugliness and my attitude... Even in the times that I don't want to do what God's telling me to do, I underestimate how much he loves me. And I definitely underestimate how much he cares about me this morning. Mark 16 and 7 says, But go, tell his disciples and Peter, oh Peter, that he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Jesus could have 
told one of the other disciples to go. That would have been easier because Peter was always getting himself in trouble. He could have picked one of the others. He could have said John, the one that he loved. But he specifically said Peter because he did not want Peter to think that his mistake was going to cost him his relationship. He knows that Peter is going to preach on the day of Pentecost. He also knew because of that that 3,000 souls were going to be saved, and Jesus wanted Peter to know, just like I'm telling you this morning, even after failure, he still loves you. There is still a purpose on your life this morning. Even after failure, Jesus has a purpose for your life. Hallelujah. He has a purpose for your life. Psalms 138 and 8 says, The Lord will work out His plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. His plan for my life. Say, my life. God told David that he was going to be a king. What he didn't tell him was that there was going to be a nine-foot-tall giant. King Saul trying to kill him. Or his own son trying to murder him and steal his throne. He told him he's going to be king, but he didn't tell him all of that ugliness. God told the Israelites that he was taking them to a land flowing with milk and honey where they would be in control of their own homes instead of being slaves in Egypt. While they were in the wilderness, he did not abandon them. He didn't say, well, you're on your own. He gave them manna. He gave them water from rocks, shade from the sun, heat and the cold, and he also gave them victory over their enemies. He was giving us an example. I'm not just good at starting a thing, and I won't show up when you've made it through. I am Jehovah Shammah. I am the God in the middle. I am present every step of your way. I'm there in the oncologist's office. I am there with you when you go to the probation officer. I am there with you in the cemetery. I walk with you in the courtroom, and I stand beside of you. And no matter what it looks like and how weary you are in this place today or how many attacks that you've face. The Lord your God is with you. Hallelujah. Let him be with you. Joseph, the Israelites, and David could have all been like a lot of us starting out giving God a list of everything that they didn't have and they needed to make it. But can I tell you, God is not depending on you to supply what you need. He doesn't care what you don't have. When he appointed you toward a destination, he already equipped you with everything that you needed to make it. When God called me to sing, when he called me to preach, he equipped me in the beginning, when I didn't see the middle, with everything that I would need to fulfill the purpose that he started in my life. He does not, however, need my excuses why I cannot do something, that I'm not good enough, that I'm not smart enough, that I don't have what it takes to do this, because even when I feel that way, his favor and anointing is more than enough to make up for what I do not have. Tell someone this morning, I need to get a grip. I need to get a grip. On your own, you're never going to get well. On your own, you will never raise them kids with a sane mind. On your own, you're never going to be free from addiction. But the good news is, you're not on your own this morning. Hallelujah. 
How many believers do I have that knows that you're not on your own this morning? Isaiah 43 and 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, say through, you shall not be burned, nor the flame scorch you. You know what I wish that said? Anybody like cruise, cruising? I know Miss Sarah does. You know what I wish that says? When you get to the water, I'm going to part it and move it out of your way. There's going to be a big cruise ship waiting for you. Come pick you up. Take you on through the waters. That'd be the way I would love to do it, wouldn't you? When you get, how about this? When you get close to the flames, God's going to open up the water from heaven and just put it out. Don't we wish? But what he does tell us is, I'm going to pass through the waters with you. I'm going to walk through the fire with you. You don't get to avoid the middle, but God lets us know that he's walking with us. And stuff that would have consumed me in this past year is just a momentary inconvenience because I see the finish line. Hallelujah. This middle that I'm in is just a momentary inconvenience. This too will pass. The trouble is temporary, and they're just steps along the way to my finish line. I want you to say with me, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, David didn't say, I stay in the valley, set up camp in the valley, build a house there. He said, the valley is not my permanent residence. I am not staying there. I hope there's some people in here this morning that's sick and tired of being in the valley. Just like eggs and milk in your refrigerator, trouble also has an expiration date. It will not last. The key for us to outlast the problem is to still be going when the time has run out. Is to not quit. Is to not go backwards. Is to not give up. Is to, is to trust in the Lord your God this morning. And Hebrews 12 and 12 is my main scripture that I held on to. Jesus. So take a new grip with your tired hands, Amanda, and strengthen your weak knees. Listen to me this morning. Take a new grip. There's somebody in this room that needs to take a new grip with your tired hand and strengthen your weak knees that you need to get up on your legs and you need to put one more foot in front of the other and just keep walking and saying, Lord, I'm so tired. I don't know that I can stand. I don't know that I can walk. But with Jesus, you can. Will you stand with me all over this building? Thank you, Jesus. In Luke 8 and 22, it says, One day Jesus said to the disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and they started out. As they sailed across somewhere between where they started and their destination, somebody say the middle, Jesus settled down for a nap. <laughs> but soon a fierce storm came on the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Master, Master, which is what we do, we're going to drown. And Jesus suddenly woke up and rebuked the wind and the waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? 
Where's your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? They asked each other when he gives a commandment, even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, if what I think I know about God is correct, Jesus knew a storm was coming before the boys got on the boat. He's God. He already knows everything. Why would he go to sleep knowing how hard the wind was going to blow, knowing how much water was going to come over the sides of that boat, knowing how freaked out the disciples were going to get? He already knew all this. But yet he says, let's cross. <laughs> let's cross to the other side today. Say, I'm going over. He heard what he said, and he knew what his word can do. He knew that once he said, we're going over, hell has not invented a storm that is powerful enough to stop us from getting to the other side. Hallelujah. I thought somebody would get a little bit more excited about that. Hell has not invented a storm to keep you from getting to the other side. Somebody tell a neighbor, I'm getting over this today. I'm tired, but I'm going to the other side. I'm hurting, but I'm not going to stop. Today is the day that somebody is getting a new grip. Somebody is going to gain strength to their knees. You are not going to get stuck in the middle. By faith, I am going to make it to the other side. Hallelujah. Don't give up before the breakthrough comes. Come on, somebody. Don't settle in the middle. Somebody needs to get a new grip with your tired hands and your weak knees. If this is spoke to you, you need to be running to this altar right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You're not going to do this on your own. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. I know there's more than two. Some of you have been in the, some of the worst storms of your life. And I'm going to say this. Thank you, Holy Ghost. There's somebody in this room that has even been contemplating suicide. You have not wanted to live not one more day. Listen to me. I don't know all of you whether you attend this church or not regularly. God wants to heal your broken heart. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can I have all the members of the prayer team if you can come and help pray? Father, I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Someone is gaining strength right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, can you just lift your hands and worship him? Thank you, Jesus.
Come on, he's the same God in the beginning as he, as he is in the end, and he's the same God that's in the middle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.